If you got a copy of God's Word, we're going to be today in Romans chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verse 6, 5, well, 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We started Romans uh, a couple of weeks ago. We started at verse 1. We are making our way through the book. Uh, we're still in chapter 1. And today we arrive to verse 16. It says it's in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospels. For it's the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Samuel, Samuel, we're good. Let me pray for us. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Um, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be back in your word. Lord, we ask you to help us right now, Lord, to understand your word, to live in your word, Lord, to be guided by your word. So, Lord, let your word, Lord, at this time, Lord, dwell in us richly. So help us, Lord, for all in this room, Lord, that are believers, Lord, that are following after you, Lord. Um, Lord, help us, Lord, in areas that, Lord, we have been weak in in the past. Let us be strong followers of you, Lord, and let us honor you in all things. But for those that are here, Lord, that's not believing in you, Lord, that our hearts, Lord, are so turned against you, I pray that your word go forward in power, Lord, that many turn from their sins and put their faith in you. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless this time. Bless this time, Lord, that you are honored at this time, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you to help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We, um, again, we have started this uh, study um, now in the, uh, the book of Romans now for a couple weeks. And now we have been introduced to Paul, what Paul is talking about in this, in this, um, in this letter. Remember that Romans is a letter it's written to the Roman church. Paul wrote a letter to them to, to encourage them. We talked about it this morning. So, um, this morning, we're going to see another aspect how Paul encouraged them this morning. And as I was preparing for this message, I thought about something that happened to me um, some years ago. I don't want to show my age. I think I'm the youngest person in this room. Remember years ago, a couple years out of high school, I had an aunt that came in town. She came in town um, uh, this particular weekend. It was actually UAPB homecoming years ago and my aunt came in town and she was looking forward to the weekend and um and when she came down she uh she came in from san antonio my auntie she's a big realtor as well she's a big realtor in the san antonio area so she has sold a lot of big million dollar properties so she's pretty wealthy that came in town this particular homecoming so my auntie reached out to her favorite nephew which is me, you know, favorite of you, right? She reached out to me. She on the way to came down. She was uh, very involved with UAPB when she was a student in the day. 
And so she loved the UAPB campus. So she came down to for UAPB homecoming this particular weekend. And when she came down particular weekend, she came down, she pulled up her brand new special platinum edition navigator. At this time, the navigator was just as much as the Escalades. They were very expensive. So she had the, the you push a button, the mirrors come in and come out, you know. You open up the door, the, foot, the, the footboard, you know, you don't have to touch the ground. The footboard comes out on its own. You can step on the footboard, then you step to the ground. Man, this was a very clean ride. It was all leather seats. And for my auntie coming out as navigator, she said, hey, nephew, hey, I'm going to be going tailgating at the homecoming, but hey, I don't want to have to walk through all the, the people in the crowds. Hey, can, do you mind driving my vehicle to homecoming, taking me to the tailgate, park the vehicle, and whenever the game is over and the tailgate is over, I need you to come pick me up. I smiled at my auntie. I said, hey, no problem. Auntie, I got you. I want you to rest your feet. Let, let your nephew take care of you at the particular homecoming tailgate celebration. So this particular day, my auntie got clean. She had her. I don't know what's on the radio. I don't know if it's Bobby Womack or Johnny T. I don't know. Jerry, stuff you be listening to. What's on the radio. So she had everything planned, and I had a nice shirt on, and I'm having my, both hands on the steering wheel, right? Doing everything right for my auntie. I had my seatbelt on, and I drove her to the homecoming. I let her out, and I said, Auntie, I love you. Call me if you need anything. I'm just going to park the vehicle on the other side of campus, and everything will be just fine. So at this particular time, when I let my auntie out, I drove off, I looked behind, I didn't see her. Well, I turned, turned the radio station, I think I turned it to Boosie that day. I turned the radio station, right? Took my seatbelt off, took one hand off the steering wheel, put my shades on, and I started whipping around campus. Had the music playing, everybody was flagging me down. They said, hey, crap, what's up, where you get the new ride? And I was like, huh, you know, you know, I had it, you know, for a minute. And somebody else stopped me and everything. Like, man, that's nice. That's nice. Okay, you're doing your thing. I try. I try, you know. I try. And so I'm riding around. Everybody's giving these compliments, right? And the music's playing. I'm tapping the button for the mirror. The mirror's going in and out while I'm driving. So this is the time that everybody's able to see that, man, Crescent has a nice ride. Crescent is doing big things. And at that moment, for me, I felt like everything in that moment. I felt like everything in that moment. I didn't even hesitate to even kind of show that it belonged to my auntie in that moment. In that moment, that car belonged to me, I felt. Then after the game, right, time to pick up auntie. So what did I do? I pulled over on the side of the road. I changed the radio station back to what she was listening to. I put my seat that I got back on, took my shades off, put both hands on the steering wheel, and I put up my auntie, auntie, did you have a good time? Auntie got in the car, and everything was just fine. And she didn't go understand anything I just did in the meantime. You might ask yourself, like, question, like, what does it have to do with Romans? Like, you riding around your auntie car, what did it have to do? I think it says a lot about today's text. I didn't want anybody to know that was my auntie car. In that moment, I would have been ashamed, right? I would have been embarrassed, right? You know, you know, homecoming, like this is this is the time that Crest and Sean. So for me, 
I was ashamed to admit the truth that had belonged to my auntie. I wanted the attention in that moment. I didn't want to park it like she told me to park it. For me, I wanted to be able to take it and make it belong to me in that moment. I wanted to make this good time about me in this particular moment. I think it has some similarity to the gospel. That the gospel is good news about Jesus. It's about how Jesus has saved sinners. But sometimes we make the Christian belief about us. Yeah, we know the extreme situation when pastors going out buying jets, right? This prosperity stuff buying jets. But a lot of times, not into the extreme sense, a lot of times for us that are believers of Christ are to live out the gospel message to share with others. For us, we are ashamed to share about Jesus because we don't want to let go of the life that we are living behind the scenes. We are living double lives, right? We are living differently than we come to church than we put on Jesus. We put on the gospel. We're not ashamed in this room right now. Everybody right now in this room would say, I'm a strong believer for the most part of Jesus. Everybody in this room would say that for the most part that they believe in Jesus for the most part. But what about Monday through Saturday? What about Monday through Saturday that we put Jesus away to be able to sit at the table with friends? We put Jesus away to be able to win different debates, whatever the case may be. Put Jesus away for us to be able to get attention from others. So family, just for me, how I put away this certain character, whatever I did in that certain moment, for me to get recognition because I was ashamed to show the world who I really was. I, I was ashamed to share that I was a broke college student living off student loan money. I was, I was embarrassed to tell everybody that. So guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to stunt. What do y'all use? use? Y'all use the word stunt? What do y'all use now? Y'all use stunt? Big cap? Right? Big cap, right? You know you ain't blowing that cap. No, don't use it. That's not the okay. Sorry about that. Not, not big cap. So don't, don't worry about it. But stunning, right? I'm stunning when to be something that I'm not. In the same way, we do the same thing to us following Jesus. So I pray this morning we be encouraged. For us not to point a finger at this person that, hey, they are ashamed of Jesus. Well, they are saying to the gospel, family, I can testify, all of us in this room have errors in our life that we are ashamed of Jesus in. We all have errors in our lives. We all have areas that we are ashamed of Jesus. May those areas get exposed today. It's okay to follow Jesus. It's okay to lose friends, right? It's okay to stand for the right thing. It's okay to, to, to be able to submit to those are, that are over you. A lot of times we are ashamed of Jesus because of various reasons. Maybe today's message be encouraging to us that we don't have to be ashamed. That we can stand boldly for Jesus no matter what's at stake. Maybe our image, maybe our identity, what we put on people to know, maybe those, all of those things be tarnished. But family, look what we gain. We gain Jesus at the end. 
May we be encouraged here today. So how are we going to do this today? Today we're going to do it in three points today. Paul isn't scared to give the Romans the gospel. Paul is not scared to give the Romans the gospel. Second point is going to be the reason why Paul wasn't scared to give the Romans the gospel. It's going to be verses 16b. And the last point we're going to end up with is 16c. 16c. It's going to be Paul knows that many will believe the gospel. That many will believe the gospel. So let's jump to point number one. Well, like I said the title of this message, Are You Ashamed? Again, write that down. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Point number one, let's jump right into it. Paul and black folks uh, terminology ain't scared to give the Romans the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul tells us that he's not ashamed. The word ashamed, one person says, is reluctant to do something through fear or embarrassment or humiliation. You don't want a certain image of yourself to be seen another way. So Paul is telling us then that he is not fearing how people may think of him. He's not fearful of people. So think about your life right now. Are you reluctant to do something through fear or embarrassment? God, what about yourself? Sometimes God's fear the embarrassment of might not know everything about football. And so in that moment, they try to say things just to try to fit in at the table in that moment. Might be the same thing with ladies. I know ladies talks about a lot of time about like modesty, wearing something that, that, is, that is modest before the Lord. But at times, sometimes is that sometimes my ladies might be tempted to, well, everybody else is doing this. Maybe I need to do this to fit in as well. In that moment, we all are ashamed. We are ashamed for God sitting at the table about sports or for God's wearing certain things that's immodest. We might be ashamed in that particular moment. Some people might be ashamed by different political stances. Some one person might be Republican or Democrat. And they might be in a room with all Republican or might be in a room with all Democrat and might feel some type of embarrassment to say what they are. So all, in this room, all of us in this room have been in the place of being ashamed. Amen. So Paul is telling us then that it's not fearing how, may, how people may think of him in this moment by not being ashamed. And I believe we have several reasons why Paul tells us here, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's several reasons why Paul tells us he's not ashamed of the gospel. One thing is that he is not making excuses to come to them because he's embarrassed to come to them. Remember, Paul is writing a letter. Romans is a pistol. Paul doesn't want to come see them. So Paul is writing his letter to them and telling them he's not ashamed as well because he's going to come see them. At this time, Rome believed a lot of pagan gods, the different Roman gods. What's some of those Roman gods' names? Zeus. Zeus. 
Aphrodite, Diana. Diana. Like a lot of these are different Roman gods. Diana was not a Roman god. It? Yeah, but y'all get the point. So the Roman gods right here was known in this area. So everybody would be a part of a weird worship of these Roman gods. And Paul is writing to them is that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed that he doesn't believe in these Roman gods. So Paul is letting us know already that he doesn't mind coming to them to be able to say that this is what I believe. So Paul is not afraid. The second thing that Paul knows that, that the gospel is the only thing they can save. So Paul is not ashamed because he knows the Roman gods cannot save them. These Roman gods are nothing but man-made gods that they made with their own imagination. That only the gospel can save them. So Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because I know the gospel that I give to you is the only gospel that can save you. Lastly, Paul is telling the Roman church that he's not ashamed so that he can encourage the Roman church. Paul has already mentioned that he wants to mutually encourage the Roman church. That he was looking forward to encouraging everyone, the Greek, the barbarians, the wise, the foolish. So Paul is clear that he is not ashamed what the gospel can do. So Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed what they might try to do to him because they believe in these Roman gods in Rome. He's not ashamed to say that this gospel is the only thing that can build you up. Not a self-help scheme. Not a self-help novel. Not only the, not these self-help things in this world, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do. Amen. So question I have for you, family, in this room. Do you believe with all what the gospel can do? Do you believe with all the gospel can do? If you don't believe it with all the gospel can do, family, you are ashamed. And we use something else in the place of the gospel. If you don't truly believe the gospel, you believe in something else. Married couples. If you believe in the gospel, the gospel heals marriages. The gospel brings in two sinful people and conforming to the image of the son. God draws them to himself. He brings about a renewed marriage by the gospel. Singles and singleness. If you truly believe the gospel, then you believe that you're not alone, that Jesus brings good news to you. That he's conforming you to the image of the song, even in singleness. So family, on the other side of these marriages, on the other side of this singleness, if everything about your marriage is complaining, everything about your marriage is demeaning, and you're trying all these other things instead of going to Jesus, family, you are ashamed of the gospel. Singles? If you're not waiting on the Lord and continue putting things in your own hand and continue making a mess out of things, you're not believing the gospel. You are ashamed of the gospel. You don't believe the gospel worse than singleness. So you put it in your own hands. So marriage folks, you put it in your own hands. Singleness people, you put it in your own hands. So what does that mean? That means you are ashamed of the gospel. Family, we don't have to go over to Korea, North Korea. To say I'm a Christian. A lot of times a no career is the place that doesn't allow Christians to come in. 
This is a screen places in Pakistan that doesn't allow Christians to come in. We can say, wow, if I was in North Korea, I don't mind saying that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I believe in what Jesus can do. Family, you don't have to go to North Korea. You can do it right now in your own life right now. So are you ashamed of Jesus in your life right now? Let's not think about global missions right now. On the day-to-day -day task, going to work, going to school, taking the trash out. Are you ashamed of the gospel? If you're ashamed of the gospel, you grumble. You grumble about these things. You grumble about serving your spouse. You grumble about being single. Because you don't believe the gospel has truly has supplied, supplied your every need. And what does it say for those who are ashamed right now? Those are putting things in their own hands and not trusting in Jesus. It tells us in Mark 8, 34, what I meant earlier. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in, his, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. So Jesus tells his disciples that if you are ashamed of him and or his word, he will be ashamed of you. So my question is you for you this morning, not to look around the room, not to think about the people that's not in here, not to think about the co-workers that you know of. I'm thinking about you right now in this room. Think about yourself right now. Think about myself right now. What areas in your life that you're ashamed of Jesus in? Are you ashamed of Jesus because you're being a virgin? So now you're tempted to give in? Family, if you're not celebrating that and understand the good news of how God is is keeping you to himself for marriage? Family, you are ashamed of Jesus. And Jesus would be reluctant of you. Jesus doesn't want his image to be tarnished, that his name must be upheld. So if Jesus, right, if you're going to be ashamed of Jesus, Jesus is going to be ashamed of you. Because Jesus' image, right, who Jesus is, needs to be upheld. So if you're not upholding the standard of who Jesus is, Jesus is going to be ashamed of you. So for those that don't want to uphold his name or ashamed of him, he don't want them to represent him. Don't represent me. Don't put a t-shirt on and say that you love Jesus, that you're all for the gospel. Don't get tattoos with, with the gospel all on your shirt. Don't get these things if you're not ready to die to yourself right now. Let's stop talking all this talk right now. Let's stop in all the talk we're talking all, all Jesus, this, Jesus, this. Let's show that in our day-to-day -day life right now that we believe in Jesus, how we're submitting to ourselves daily, how we're serving those around us. I was tempted to that yesterday as Kareem ran the track and he won first place. And the lady let us in this track meet. She let us in for free. It was $35 to rest her in this moment. And for him, he won first place, right? In this moment, he should win the cash prize. But we didn't even pay to get in. In that moment, I'm like, man, let this guy, let him get the money, right? Let him win this right here. In that particular moment, right? 
It was selfishness coming in my own heart. Selfishness was coming in. It was for me to die to self. It was hard for me to die to self in that moment. I was like, he should have got this because he won. But the lady let us run voluntarily. What about you? Issues in your life. Has there been issues that you haven't died to self in you? Paul tells us here again in 2 Timothy 1, 8, chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the sufferings of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior. Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So family, Paul says right here, do not be ashamed of the testament about our Lord, nor the prisoner, but share the sufferings. Are you ready to share the sufferings? For Paul to say he's not ashamed of the gospel, he is ready to share the sufferings. Family, you will suffer for the name of Christ. And not to pick on our ladies, a lot of men dress immodest. A lot of men do and modest. So for our men and our ladies in this room, you might have to look different from our culture standard of what look nice. Ladies and guys, covering yourself up, you are beautiful before God. You don't have to fit in with the world, men and women in this room. You don't have to fit into the world that I have to reveal more of my body to be able to be to be able to give recognition from the things of this world. Family, you are amazing. God has designed you to be beautiful apart from being the recognition from the world. So what happened in this? Madaka said it earlier. In this generation right now, in this sinful generation right now, will you make Jesus' name be known in the sinful generation or will you, Ashley, put Jesus to the side to sit at the table with sinners? And I'm not saying sit at the table with sinners in the way of not trying to share the gospel with them. I'm talking about sinners to say we're sinners because you want to be like them. Do you want to be like Jesus or you want to be like the world? To be like Jesus, you must suffer. You're going to lose friends. You're going to be considered called a nerd. You're going to be considered to call, be called corny. What's another name? Whack. Lame. Lame. You're going to be these things by following Jesus. But family, look what you gain in Jesus. You gain the whole world. You gain Jesus. So Paul says right here that he's not ashamed. He's not ashamed to suffer for Jesus in that particular time in Rome. Paul has said he's going to come. He's going to encourage the church with the gospel, but also not only encourage the church with the gospel, he's going to also use the gospel for people to be saved. And Paul has said, I'm not ashamed to be encouraged with the gospel, and I'm not ashamed to proclaim the gospel. He's not afraid of these people that's before him. So my question for you this morning, not looking around the room, but my question for you this morning, is there anything that you are fearful of about the gospel? Is it that you want to uphold an image before your coworkers that you don't want anyone to know that you are following Jesus? Are you ashamed to tell people that I'm going to miss football and basketball game to be with the Lord on Sunday morning? 
Are you ashamed to tell friends that you are going to go to bed early on Saturday so you can better honor Jesus on Sunday? So being ashamed of Jesus is not just those that don't believe in Jesus. Even professing believers are compromising the gospel to uphold a certain image. Family, if we are ashamed of Jesus, he will be ashamed of you. It's okay to tell people, hey, I'm getting rest. It's okay to say, hey, I'm going to miss the family barbecue on Sunday morning because I want to be with the Lord people. I want to uphold what God has told me to uphold. Do not forsake the gathering. Are you ashamed of Jesus that my family want me over here? My family want me to do this, the cookout, and do these certain things on Sunday morning. And Jesus said, no, do not forsake the gathering. Are you going to choose the barbecue of being with the God's people and following God's command? Sunday morning, morning football game. Best teams are playing. I'm going to miss church this Sunday because what I'm ashamed of Jesus, right, in this particular moment because my friends are going to watch the game and I don't want to tell them no because I want to watch the game with them. Family, that's being ashamed of Jesus. You guys get what I'm getting on the practical side of life, day-to-day -day life. A lot of times we think that the shame of Jesus has something to do with for us going to Pakistan or somewhere that's saying I believe in Jesus, I'm bold into Jesesus on a day-to-day -day life, or willing to say no to our bosses and things of that nature, say, I'm not gonna miss Sunday morning. Family, we should embrace Jesus and not be ashamed of him. And I know it's going to be emergency cases now. Somebody go to the hospital. I'm not saying that that dishonoring Jesus, you got an emergency to go somewhere. That's not being ashamed of Jesus. Okay, everybody get me on that. That's not, it, it is an emergency situation that you're not going to be on Sundays. It's an emergency situation. You're not going to be together on certain weeks. You might be sick and things of that nature. Those things happen in life. But for sense of that you're compromising the gospel, for the sake of other things in this world, or compromising the gospel to fit in with people, that's what I'm getting out of here this morning. And Paul is saying he's willing not to compromise. That Paul said he want to hold on to the gospel. Family should be desired to uphold gospel because the gospel is a thing that has given us life. We have all sinned and deserve hell in this room. We all have sinned. But the good news is that Jesus paid for the sins of sinners. That we be made right before him. That we get heaven. We get God. That's the good news. We get God. We have, if everything else, if the friends and family may leave us, family, we get God. That's better than anything else. So why be ashamed of the things that we might lose? Why be ashamed of the things we might lose? Those things we might lose, if it's football, basketball, whatever the case may be, if we lose those things and get Jesus' family, there's no comparisons. These things can't compare to Jesus. Right? These things can't compare. We get Jesus, fam. So, family, maybe we submit to him. Point number two, real quick. Last two points, going to go back to quick. The, the reason why Paul is not scared. Why is he not scared? Why is he not? It tells it right here for you. It is the power of God for salvation. Paul joyfully loves the gospel. Paul is not scared to boldly hold on to what he believes. The reason for that is because he knows that the power of God is the one that saves. Salvation is not from good works. It's the power of God. Not the power of man. It's the power of the creator that created the heavens and earth. The people are saved because of what God is doing. 
Paul would know that salvation comes from Jesus. So salvation can't exist apart from the power of God. This salvation is from sin. He saved it from sin. He saved it from hell. He, he, he saved it from being separated from him forever. He saved it from ourselves. All the salvation we get because of what the power of God has been able to do. So God saves us from ourselves and from these things. And he saves us to himself. So we get all of these benefits of Christ. So Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because he knows the gospel, what the gospel entails. He is not ashamed of being saved from the things of this world of the desires of the flesh. So again, Paul here, the reason why Paul is not scared, Paul knows that these Roman gods, he knows that these people around him can't save him or can't save anyone. Paul is not ashamed, he's not ashamed because he knows the gospel, the only thing that can do this. So family, have you embraced the power of God in your salvation? You didn't save yourself. You might walk down the aisle and say you believe. But God already began to good work in you before you walked down the aisle and said you believe. Amen. God get the credit. God get the credit. God get all the credit, fam. It's not for us to get credit. We praise God and say, God, thank you for doing the work in me. So, family, it was the power of God that saved you, began the good work in you. And then you say so you took a step forward. Yes, you took a step forward because of what God has done. And Paul knows what the gospel has done is not a shame. And point number three as we end here. In verses 16, C to 17, Paul knows that many will believe the gospel. He said, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, to also to the Greek. Paul now moves to let us know that some will believe in the gospel. Some will be saved. Some will not be ashamed. That some will truly be saved. And the righteous shall live by faith. And these people will be Jew and be Greek. It won't be all the Jews and all the Greeks that be saved. But it's going to be some Jew and some Greek. It'll be many of both parties that the Lord is going to save them to himself by the power of the gospel. So salvation is not going to discriminate. Salvation is not going to just save people from a certain class. I mean, save people, you know, say, hey, I'm just going to save all the rich people. I'm going to save all the white people, all the black people. The gospel is not going to discriminate in a way of color. Because it's going to be black people that's going to be saved. It's going to be white people that's going to be saved. It's going to be Latino, Asian, all different ethnic backgrounds going to be saved by the gospel. It's also going to be people with different economic classes. It's going to be people that are poor, people that are going to be rich. The gospel is going to save people from all various backgrounds. God's salvation is embedded in his wisdom. So Paul knows that many are going to believe by the gospel. So Paul believes the gospel is trustworthy. That he can go to Rome and there's going to be some in Rome that are going to respond to the gospel and going to be saved. So, family, do you believe the gospel trustworthy? For those that say the gospel is for the poor, is ignorant of the wisdom of God. I hear so many cases of people say, hey, let's go to the poor neighborhood and help the poor people. 
They need to hear the gospel. Family, it's rich people that are lost. It's rich people that are lost. Matter of fact, the scripture said what about a rich person going to heaven? So, so it seemed like it might even be more rich people in hell than, than poor people. I'm not saying that the case, right? What I'm saying though is that if we try to limit that, is that since people got good more standing, they make a lot of money, they got a lot of degrees, so guess what? That's who we're inspired to be like. And those people are the saved people. And those people are given to the poor community, so those are people, so they are giving back. Family, there's going to be a lot of people that's in this poor community that are broken, that, that are living from check to check, that's going to be in heaven, and that love Jesus. There's going to be a lot of poor people that are so comfortable that are on a golf course every single Sunday, every single Saturday, making a lot of money that's not going to be in heaven. So family, the gospel is going to save rich and poor. The gospel is needed for everyone. This is important for Paul. Paul is making it clear that he can't wait to come to Rome to see the church that is not, he's not ashamed of the gospel and pagan Rome. But he's ready to encourage them of the gospel, to share the gospel. And he knows this right here. Because the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith is a phrase that shook up the world through the Reformation. Martin Luther used a phrase throughout the Reformation throughout the 15th century. The Catholic Church said people are saved by giving so many things, certain pence, certain things to the church. You can be saved by doing all these good works. And many people, they actually built so many cathedrals, paying us money, have so much gold. You'll go to St. Louis and see a basilica rich in gold. A lot of them were paid for by penance. They were paid for by giving this amount of money. Family, money can't save you. If money can save you, why did Jesus come? If your works can save you, why did Jesus come? Jesus came because none of these things can save you. We needed a perfect, righteous Savior to save us. The one that gives his life for us. The one that makes us clean. So Jesus saved. And the righteous live by faith. So Jew and Greek, if you are righteous, you're living by faith, family, you are saved. Not just the Jews. Even the Greeks as well. And they're trusting the Lord. So let me end here with a couple applications. I'm out of time. Miss Shah just blinked at me three times. When was the last time you were ashamed of the gospel? Again, I asked the question, was it before co-workers? Was it with, before friends? Was it family? Did you compromise on honoring Jesus because you wanted to sit at the table? You know you don't normally drink, right? You know you don't normally drink, but you want to sit at the table and everything to be something that you're not at that particular moment. You are ashamed of Jesus. And again, let me make this clear again, is that um, at times, sitting at the table with others that are not like you, and you want to kind of enjoy and get to know them, there's nothing wrong with actually doing things and everything, getting to know somebody, or if they cook certain foods a certain way and things of that nature. I'm talking about being ashamed in a way of letting go of God's law and God's word to sit at the same with somebody. 
you, you can compromise on cultural things. That's fine. But when you compromise on morality and what God said is right and what God has said is holy, when you compromise on God's thing to sit at the table, that's when I'm saying you're ashamed. But there's nothing wrong with participating in things of other cultures and things of that nature. If somebody said, hey, drinking and things of that and not getting drunk, whatever the case may be, you know, but I'm talking about being ashamed and letting go of the things of God to be able to sit at the table of immorality. That makes sense. What, what was, why was your image so important before them for you to be ashamed of Jesus? What, what was so important you wanted to keep up? That you had to put Jesus to the side. What made you afraid in that moment? Ask yourself. Think about right now the last couple of weeks, a couple of days. What made you afraid in those moments? Think about it. Pause for a second. What made you afraid? Whatever is making you fearful in that moment, family, is it compared to what you have in Jesus? You don't have to fear in nobody this person across from you. You can trust the Lord. You can be who you are. And as they see you standing on truth, maybe they come ask the question like, I noticed that you dress a certain way. I noticed that you don't curse. I noticed you don't do these certain things. Why do you do these certain things? You better share with them hope of the good news, eh? the hope of the, the that is in you. Number two, application. Repent daily. When your image tried to get in the way of the gospel going forward, when your image tried to say, hey, let me uphold this certain image before everybody, repent daily of that. Let go of that certain image that tried to build you up in that moment for you can be look good before people. Ask the Lord to help you in that moment. How can you can be helped? You can pray more. Try to pray more throughout the day for the Lord to help you when you get afraid that you uphold a certain image. Start reading the gospel of Mark to see Jesus' boldness before the people that didn't like him nor the gospel. Look how Jesus did before people that didn't like him. He wasn't a jerk or anything. He was kind. He was generous. He even invited a tax collector to come sit with him. He even sat at the table with tax collectors. So Jesus wasn't ashamed. He was able to hold on to the same values and sit at the table with sinners. He didn't just chastise him right here going back to work. He sat at the table and let him see that these things can't save you. Only Jesus can truly save you, woman at the well. Lastly, number three. Lastly, write down in the morning before you get up your day. I always say this. If you get a chance, I know a lot of time you guys rush getting up in the morning because y'all don't go to bed on time. Write down about 10 things in the morning before you get up. 10 things in the morning what God has done in your life. May this list encourage you to, for you not to be ashamed of what God is already doing in your life right now and what he's been doing in your life. So write down about 10 things and saying that God is faithful. God has given me a job. He allowed me to, to have family around me. He allowed me to have family come see me. He allowed me to, to better go to college. All of these things that God has done for you. You can just compare these things to what the world says. And so you see all these things, and ultimately you say, well, God, he has saved me. When you come to that conclusion, you better say, I don't have to be afraid in front of anybody. 
I don't have to be disloyal right now. I can be loyal to Jesus. He look what he continue to do for me. Hey, I don't care what nobody else, what they're going to say to me at work. I'm going to hold on truth. I don't care what nobody say because guess what? This is what he's continued to do for me. This is what he has done. And this is what he's taking me to. I'm going to stand firm on Jesus regardless of these people at work or people around me. Good. So write down about 10 things in the morning to remind you to be faithful to Jesus. And I tell you what, as you be faithful, I'm going to tell you what, look at the people around you. We might just be best friends because you're going to lose a lot of people outside of here. You're going to lose a lot of friends when you're trying to stand for gospel. When people are trying to gossip around you, say, hey, that's an image barrier of God. God made them so amazing and beautiful. I'm not, I'm not going to get into this. Hey, I'm not going to entertain that. They'll come to you again and say, hey, did you see such and such? He said, yes. He or she is made in God's image and God's likeness. And I want to see how this person is going to point me to Jesus. Eventually, you say that every day, I guarantee they're going to stop coming to you then. You're going to lose people. So look around the room, fam. We might just be friends. Some of us in the room might be kind of itchy towards each other. But guess what? We might be the only ones we have. Because standing for Jesus, you're going to be lose things. You're going to suffer for his name's sake. Family is so much worth it. Let me pray for us.